Now the topic today is the love of God. The love of God. And there's going to be a more than a... This is part one, so there's going to be a part two. And I believe uh, because of the times we are living in, we are living in some really interesting times. And I believe, you know, believe it or not, this world is going to keep going through upheaval, going through uncertainty. Our lives as we know it will never be the same as our parents and grandparents can testify. And also as we relate to our children, you know, the, the life that, we, that our children are living now, they can't relate to when we were their age growing up because it was totally different. And change is continuous and, and accelerating. Not always for better. And the more advanced we seem to be, be getting technologically, and this advance in technology is supposed to make our lives easier. Mm-hmm. It's actually making our lives more stressful. And, but we have to endure in the midst of everything. People are becoming more stressed in every day and in every area of our lives. You know, it seems like the more things are supposed to be easy, the, it's the more challenging things seem to be becoming. But what is, con- what is constant and will never change in this world, and, and I'm not saying this because I feel like saying it, I'm not saying it because it's something good to say. Yes, it's something good to say, but I'm not saying it because to make you all feel good. I'm saying it because I know this. No matter what go- is going on, I'm, what I know is constant and will never change is the love of God. That will never change. Which can only be found and experienced fully in Christ. That I know for a fact. And this love is free to anyone who wants it. Really, it's free. You can't earn it. You can't bargain for it. There's nothing you can do to earn it. The only thing a person has to do is receive it. Because this love of God is a free gift. You can't do enough to get it, to earn it. It's free. You just have to receive it. You know, to the child of God, the love of God is what will sustain us in the times we are living in, no matter what we are facing or going through. You know, we always talk about what we are facing or going through. We're always talking about the trials. But we do have good things that happen in our lives. But when we go through the good things, that's not the stuff that gets us down. It's when we go through the trials. That's what's bring up, bring us down. So, that's why, you know, we focus a lot on the trials because it's easy for people to get, to lose hope and be in despair. But without the love of God, we will fall and easily taken captive by the power of sin and get caught up in corruption. I really do not think people understand the love of God and what God sacrificed so that we can experience and receive that love. You know, the world talks about love. I love you. I love this. I love my dog. I love my cat. I love my, my car. They use the word loosely. But if people really understand what the love of God is. They don't, people don't really have understanding of it. I don't believe so. I mean, I'm still fleshing that out. You know, once I asked the Lord, many years I've been praying, Lord, I don't understand your love. And then he showed it to me. And I never asked him again. But as time goes, he's still showing me what the love of, love of God is. You can't, you can't put a, a specification in it. You can't put boundaries around it. There are no parameters to it. It's boundless. It, it goes on and on. It's infinite, the love of God. 
You know, I've been a Christian for many years, and as I said, only recently in the past few years, I really began to understand the love of God. Unfortunately, it took trials which brought me to a breaking point where I experienced His love. <laughs> you know, I, and I hope it won't take such a drastic step for us to really turn to Jesus so that we can experience that love. And sometimes it takes something drastic to have us take a step back and, ref- and focus on what really matters in this life. You know, so God brought me to, I got to a point of breaking. I didn't break, thank God. But I got to a point of breaking and then He revealed His love to me. And he, when, you ex- when you experience it, you never ever forget it. It's like having childbirth. You, I've never had a child. I've never birthed a child. But I. But the only way as a man I can relate to the love of a child is when I saw my daughter for the first time. I didn't know I had that capacity to love until I experienced it. So you can tell people what it's like to be a a dad or tell people women what it's like who's never birthed a child you can tell them but they can't really appreciate the love until they experience it amen you all understand what I'm saying so the same thing with the love of God you can't articulate it you cannot express it to people enough until they experience it and that is my hope that we all experience the love of God because once you get impacted by it, you, you can't go back. You'll never, ever be the same. Never, ever be the same. Alright, so let us go to the book of Romans chapter 8. And we're living in a time now we have to experience things. We can't just be stuff on the, on the, on the words on a Bible. This stuff has to be real in our lives. Or else if it's not real, you can't experience it. And if you can't experience you can't relate to something, a words on a, on a book. This thing has to come alive in our lives, or else it's, it's useless. Alright, so that's what I'm about. As you know, you guys know, I, I'm not about playing church. Romans chapter 8, let's go to verse 32. I want to show you something here. I'll be reading 32, 35, and then 37 through 39. And that's mostly my text today. Verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Verse 35. Who sh- shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Verse 37. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you hear what Paul is saying there? In verse, let me go back to verse 32. He said, He who did not spare his own son. Who is he? God, the Father. He did not spare his own son, Christ. He didn't spare him. But he delivered him up. He turned him over. 
to sinners to be crucified for us all. Who is us all? Everyone and anyone. It doesn't care about your race. It doesn't care about your religion. It doesn't care about your economic status. It doesn't care for us all. He was turned over to be crucified for us all. Right? How shall he, who not with him, also freely give us all things? If God was willing to sacrifice his only begotten, so that we can be set free, how would he not freely give us all things? If you're willing to go to that length, to sacrifice your own precious son, so that we can be redeemed, how would he not freely give us all things? What would he hold back from us? He's not going to hold back anything. He was willing to give his best to reconcile us so there is nothing else he can hold back. There's nothing else more precious to him. <laughs> you got to meditate on that. So who he said, Paul said in verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who? Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword, and let's just go back to, let me go back to verse 38. He said, I am persuaded, neither death nor life, angels, principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. Things now and things to come. Nor height, depth, any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying, nothing can separate us from the love of God. But it's implied that there's a choice. Alright, he didn't say it, but it's implied. And I'll touch on that in a second. So as I said, God did not spare his own son. He turned him over. To send us to be crucified for anyone. So that all who believe in him shall be redeemed, reconciled to God, and given eternal life. What does all that mean? God has made it possible to have a right relationship with him. Through Christ. For anyone who wants it. But it's a choice. Do you understand that? It's a choice. So as I said, if God didn't spare his only begotten son and sacrifice him for all, don't you think he would freely, also freely give us all things through his son? Yes, he would do it. Because he already gave his best. You know, Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty-seven through 28. I'm not going to ask you to turn there. I'm going to read the scripture. And listen to this. Matthew eleven twenty seven through twenty eight. Jesus said, "All things have been given, delivered to me by my Father. All things have been delivered to me by my Father. All things mean what? All things. That means nothing is left out. All things have been delivered to me by my Father. Okay. This is before he was crucified. He's telling the disciples." What the Father has already bestowed upon him. All things, right? And he said, no one knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son. And we know why. Because he is one with the Father. Okay? We understand that. And he said, and this is beautiful. And the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. The only way we get to know the Father is through the Son. And the Son has to reveal the Father to you. Alright? So then he said, right after that, that in verse 28, he said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So through the Son, we can receive true rest. Not the rest that we're talking about, people talking about. I'm 
people, the world talks about. Irene, peace. That's the rest we're talking about. Alright, I'm not going to go back to what that means. But it's a rest, it's a peace. That is not like the world. It's a rest, a peace that only God can give. You know, some people say, well, I tried it. I tried being in Christ, you know. I, you know, I made my confession of faith and I, I received Jesus in my heart. But it ain't working. Well, you don't try it. You know, if you're playing sports or you want to learn anything, you know, I'll use my wife for an example. The master baker. But the first time she tried to bake a cake, she could have quit. It wasn't a perfect cake. She could have given up and said, I tried, it didn't work. But she didn't give up. She kept at it. But now she makes a good cake. But what happened? How did she become good at baking the cake? She didn't give up. When you're in Christ, you can't quit. Because if you quit in a race, you're not going to get to the end. If you quit in anything, you're not going to get to the end. You're not going to reap the reward if you quit. So when people say, well, I try and it don't work. Well, guess what? When you quit, it ain't going to work. Because you're not consistent. You're not determined. You're not really, you don't really want something. You don't want Him. Because if you want Him, you won't quit. And if you don't quit, He will prove Himself. He will prove Himself. Because that's what He said He would do. What are we faced with? Look at what Paul is saying. Paul said, and he gave a whole bunch of things that, he said, I'm persuaded, death, life, angels, principalities, so forth. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. What are we faced with? I had a damaged knee. And whatever is, other issues I'm faced with. Are these, am I going to allow this thing separate me from the love of God? No. No. What trials are we contending with that is seemingly overwhelming us? It seems like there is no hope. It seems like we, we're just at the end of our last nerve. We can't deal with it anymore. We don't want to deal with it. What are we being faced with? Jesus has come to me and he will give us rest. But what I love about what Paul said in verse 38. He said, I am persuaded. And that's something that you got to get that for yourself. You know, I can't persuade my wife. I can try to persuade her. But I can bring her to a point where she will start changing the way she thinks and then she would meditate and the, Lord, and the Holy Spirit will give her the understanding. And that will change her heart. But Paul said, I am persuaded. And what does persuaded mean? I am convinced. I believe firmly. I have confidence. And what he's persuaded about. He's persuaded that neither death, life, none of these things shall be able to separate him and the, the saints from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. This is the point where we have to get as children of God. You have to be persuaded. You have to be convinced. And this comes through experience. It comes through experience. So we have to be persuaded about God's love. We have to believe firmly in it. Because the things we have to go through will challenge that confidence. And if you're not persuaded, you are going to quit and you are going to give up. And it's going to affect your faith. 
Because our faith must be strong enough to overcome the trial. Because I talked about this before, about our, the series of our faith. The faith that God is building in us has to be a faith that we can rely on. If you can't rely on the faith, you're not going to make it. So he said, our faith must be strong enough to overcome the trial. So Paul is saying, I don't care what I, what I am going through. I don't care what you saints are going through. There is nothing that's going to separate us from the love of God. Because they know something about God. They've experienced something. And because they've experienced it, they know. They're convinced. So whatever happens, it doesn't matter. Whether they die or whether they're alive, they're in Christ. Nothing is going to separate them from the love of God. So what does my daughter have to do to earn my love? Absolutely nothing. My daughter cannot do anything to earn my love. Can't. She cannot do enough to earn it. When she was in her mother's womb, I loved her. Before I saw her. I didn't even know it was a girl. I loved her. When she was a child, I loved her. She's an adult, and I still love her. Nothing can take away the love I have for her. Nothing. Nothing can take away the love I have for her. However, she's carrying my name. She's my offspring and represents this family. However, this family has a way we carry and conduct ourselves. This family. I'm not talking about siblings. I'm not talking extended family. I'm talking about people who live in this house. We have a way we conduct ourselves and the way we present ourselves. And as my offspring, she has to honor that family name. Children do not come out of the womb knowing the ways of their family. They don't come out of the womb knowing the ways of their family and their family name. So what do we do as parents? They have to be taught, schooled, learn how to represent that family name. I remember when my daughter was a child and Rachel can tell you in the mall, acting up. Rachel put her, set her straight. The people in this family... We don't conduct ourselves like that. We straighten that out right away. You have to conform to this family's name and how this family conducts itself. If people's kids want to be out there cussing and carrying on and fighting, that let them represent that they represent their family name in that way, not this house. We have no control over what people do in their homes and how their children conduct themselves. They are representing their family name. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Because when we are out there, or in this house, we represent our family name. Yes, Neil is our family name, but our foundation is in Christ. We have been bought with a price. My father is is Father God. My brother is Jesus. Our family business is ruled. And we walk in righteousness. Do you understand where I'm going with this? Alright? But no matter what, it's not like we have it all together. It's not like we have all our I's dotted and our T's crossed. We mess up. But we got to go and repent. And say, Father, forgive me. And get back on the road. And do what's right. Right? Because we are representing our family. Our family in Christ. You understand that? Right? So when, so you know, 
as I said, they don't come out of the womb knowing what to do. We, that's why we are parents. And the training and the schooling can at times be joyful or painful. The kids love you when it's joyful. When you're rewarding them and you, you, you're giving them accolades and, oh, you did such a good job. And when they going off, off course and you have to correct them, they want to hate your guts. You're the worst parent in the world. You see, but we don't let that phase us. We love them anyway. Because they know, we know they got to represent this family the right way. So in this world, they will ex- the kids will experience successes and disappointments, just as we as parents. But then how do they handle success or recover from disappointments? It's not only how you handle disappointments, it's how do you handle success? Do you get full of yourself? Do you start putting people down when you, you're making progress and things are going right for you? Do you start looking down at people? You know, it's not only the, the failures, we've got to talk about the successes too. We've got to school them right. But how do they handle success and recover from disappointments? Disappointments. Do they handle it based on what the family stands for? What are we teaching them? So parents can give sound godly advice based on experience and knowledge. We as parents, we always want to give kids, our children, godly advice. Well, advice. Now, whether it's godly or not, that's a whole different story. Okay? But what we tell them, we are accountable for the fruit that's going to come forth in their lives. Because if they listen to us or not listen to us, we're still accountable. In this family, I can only talk about this family and the family of Christ. We are supposed to give godly advice. And if we don't know something, just tell them, we don't know. Say, we're we're working it out. We're learning. And I think kids will understand that if we tell them the truth. And they understand. Trust me. You know, we try to give the impression that we got it all together as parents. When the kids grow up and get it old, old enough, they realize, Mom and I ain't got it all together. So it's okay in the beginning. Just let them know. We're working it out. You know, we want to appear like we got it all together. We don't have it all together. We don't. And <laughs> just be honest about it. We don't have it all. See, I don't know. You know, but I'll give you the best advice I can. Right? And sometimes the kids will do what you tell them, and sometimes they won't do. They would listen. If you have a good relationship with your kids, they will listen. And then they will, themselves will make the decision if they're going to take your advice or not take your advice. But it all depends on the relationship. If you have built a good relationship of trust, most likely they may take your advice. And it's the same thing with our Heavenly Father. His advice is in His Word. And the Holy Spirit gives us understanding of what is written. And if we trust Him, we will take His advice. Because He says what? I lay before you life and death. Blessed cursing. He said choose what? Life. That was the suggestion. He's telling us what to do. But we have a choice whether we're going to choose life or death. He's not going to come with a stick and say, do it. We have to make the choice. So whether they, that our kids take our advice or not, that does not negate our love for them. Not at all. And whether we obey God's word or not, it does not negate his love for us. Even those who are lost in this world, it doesn't negate his love. Because he says, while we were yet sinners, 
Christ died for us. What? He gave up his son. As it said in verse 30, in verse 32. He didn't spare his own son, but he delivered him up for us all. That doesn't negate his love. There are those who don't believe, the atheists, those who cuss God and say, I hate God. It doesn't negate his love for them. But he gave them a choice. They have a choice to believe, trust him or not. So Paul is expressing that no matter what he and other saints have to go through or have gone through and are going through or will go through, nothing can separate them from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. When you know that there is a confidence, there is a confidence we have when we face difficulties and trials. So we do not lose hope. When you understand how much God loves us, no matter what you go through, you do not give up. You do not lose hope. Because you seek Him. There's a confidence that you have. And we know that no matter what we are to- what's going on, we are totally secure in Christ. Do you hear that? No matter what you are going through, when you understand how much God loves you, there's a security you have in Christ. There's a security knowing that no matter what happens, it's going to be okay. Do, not, do you think that God would give up His Son to save us and then abandon us in our time of need? Absolutely not. Not. If you know the love of God, if you understand who He is, His character, He will never ever abandon us in our time of need. Never. He won't do it. He can't. Because that's not His nature. He he will have not only given us His Spirit, but also given us the tools and the grace to overcome. And there are consequences for our choices. He's given us the tools and the grace to overcome. But there are consequences for our choices. You choose to believe and do it His way or do it your way. There are consequences to everything. Suffering, trials, or whatever we have to go through should never drive us away from God. Not if you know you are loved by Him. People run from God because they do not understand His love. You can't earn it. You can't be good enough. You have to just accept it. In life, death, trouble, success, whatever, know that we are always loved by the Lord. We are always, always loved by the Lord. We have to make a choice daily to live in Christ. If we want to experience the love of God and experience the benefits as children. Did you hear what I said? You have to make a choice daily to live in Christ. If you want to experience His love and benefits as children. Yes, in God there are benefits. When you yield to Him, there are benefits to being a child of God. Their benefits. So this Thanksgiving, in this Thanksgiving, and every day, personally, I am thankful for His love. I am thankful for His mercy. I am thankful for Jesus, through whom I can freely fellowship with my Heavenly Father, with a clear conscience. When we are in darkness, we cannot freely come to God because our conscience is dark. Because there are things we don't want to release. And with that darkness is fear and condemnation. The Lord does not care about what 
we are in right now, what condition we are in right now. God doesn't care. He loves us anyway, anyhow. That's why He gave up His Son. We just have to come to Him as we are. You can't dress yourself up. You can't prepare yourself good enough. Just come to Him as you are. Give yourself to Him and the darkness will be released and make a decision to live through Christ. There is nothing we can do to earn it. Just come to Him as you are. And in John 3, 16, 17, the Word of God says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever, He said that whosoever, whosoever is not contingent on your class, it's not contingent on your education. It's not contingent on anything. It says, Whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. These words are true. I am convinced of it because I have experienced it. I am persuaded about what these words says. Why? Because I have experienced it. It said God loved the world. He gave His only begotten Son. That's what we read in verse 32. He gave up His own. And it says, Whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God did not send His Son in the world to condemn the world. You hear that? He did not send His Son to condemn the world. If anybody is putting you under condemnation, that's not the Spirit of Christ. That is not the Spirit of God. God did not come in the world to condemn us. Alright? But that the world through Him might be saved. These words are true. And we have to be persuaded about these things. Or else you will not experience the love of God. But condemnation. So it says, whoever... And whoever says, anyone who wants it, whoever come and be set free from guilt, be set free from condemnation, which means penalty, punishment, whatever it is that's weighing you down, come and he will set you free. Say, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There is no need for anything to tie you up and tie you down. All you have to do is just receive what God has given you freely. Freely. 